0: bit of anxiety around just where we're at as, as a state. We're doing okay. Thanks for the way over the last two weeks you've just been um, being wise and following direction and we've been honouring what our government has been advising us. We're going to keep doing that so um, keep up the good work. It's really good. This morning we have spent some time in lament. And it's, it's not a form of prayer that I'm particularly uh, good at. How about you? How are you with lament? I think there's probably something we need to acknowledge uh, in our faith is that we've had it pretty good. I've, I've been really blessed. There aren't many times when I've had that real sense of God, this is wrong and there is nothing I can do about it. I've been really blessed. In, in my experience of church too, maybe it was growing up at Marion Church of Christ, but when I grew up there, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff about lament and the things that were broken in the world. It, a lot of it was about positivity and victory and salvation and God's goodness. Um, not so much frustration and pain. Yet, yet in Scripture, there is this long tradition of lament. There's a whole book on lament. Nehemiah, that we've been reading uh, over the last three weeks, starts in lament. When they finish this great achievement of building the wall, the first thing that they do is lament that the wall's built, but their nation isn't what it was meant to be. Lament is this acknowledgement that God, we have fallen short of who you called us to be. We're in need. We are broken. We are vulnerable and in distress and we don't have any answer except to turn to you and bring those things to you. Right now in the world, this is a season for lament. For gathering up kind of the frustration and the hurts of the world, and bringing them to our Father. And I'm so glad, Beck, that we had that time to do that. Because one of the things about our faith is it invites us to be real, to be authentic about what is going on, to actually name things as they are, not as we want them to be, not ignore them, but actually say, this is the reality. This is what's going on. I love that God invites us to lament. That he's a God that says, bring your lament to me. Don't pretend that things are okay. Don't ignore what's going on, but bring them to me. It comes from this knowledge that we have in Jesus Christ. That in the gospel, we have seen the character and work of God. In Jesus, we know what this world is supposed to be. He showed us He taught us, he said, this is what the kingdom is like. We know his plans for creation. And in knowing that, we know the reality of where things are at. God says, Bring those things to me. Actually acknowledge this, that this is broken. Uh, John, in his prayer, kind of hinted at this, these words of Paul. He said, We know that the whole of creation has been groaning like in the pains of childbirth, right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly, we lament, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Maybe he's a bit optimistic about the waiting for it patiently thing. Um, I know my kids aren't very good at waiting patiently for things. I know that I'm not very good at waiting patiently for things. Because um, when we lament, what we do is we open up a gap. We open up this gap between how things are and how things are meant to be, our hopes. And uh, the call is to wait patiently in that time. Sometimes when we lament, what we actually realise is that there is a chasm. There's this massive gap between how things are and how they're created to be in Christ Jesus. God, we're in distress. We have this huge gap that needs to be filled. Uh, We recognise the truth of who you are and what your purposes for us and for creation are and we recognise where we're at. It's been so good to kind of acknowledge that gap this morning. To look at the world and say, Lord, there's this huge gap here. It's a holy, sacred space, that gap. Because lament is a recognition that God can be trusted with that gap that if we bring to him that space between how things are and how they're meant to be in the world, in our families, in us, if we bring to him that space. He won't cut us off or crush us, but he will lead us. He will lead us into life. He will close the gap. Uh, There's a saying, you've probably heard it, my dad used to quote it, I don't know why, It's this saying that says, nature abhors a vacuum. That if there is a space, something always rushes in to fill it. So when we lament, we create this space. But then the invitation is for that space to be filled. Um, For Nehemiah, at the start of the book, as we read in week one, as he prays and laments and recognises the gap, What happens for him is he develops a calling. He has this sense of, God, this is not how it's meant to be and somehow you have prepared me and you've called me to step into that gap to actually be one who will move towards your plans and your purposes for your people and for Jerusalem. Um, Bobby Kennedy once said, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. That is the nature of leadership. Leadership is about closing the gap between how things currently are and how they're meant to be. It's about vision and moving people towards that. And that's what we see Nehemiah doing. The walls are not built, let's get on with it. We're called into that gap. Our prayer, our daily prayer that Jesus taught us to pray was, Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a prayer of asking, God, close the gap. Bring your kingdom to earth. Shorten the distance. And as we pray that prayer, often the invitation that comes to us is, You step into that gap. You are my people. You are my image bearers in this world. I've put my spirit in your heart. I've called you to come follow me, so follow me into that gap and be part of bringing the kingdom on this earth. We have a role to play. Um, In the first week, I encouraged you that maybe God has prepared you for a time such as this. Like Nehemiah, who was cupbearer to the king, who saw the gap and realised, actually, I have a role to play in this time and this place. Maybe God has prepared you for a time Such as this, I want to encourage you in that again this morning. Last time I spoke about it, I threw it out there and I kind of just left it with you. This morning, I actually I'm going to ask you to respond a little bit. Um, Can I ask? Is there anyone here with a real sense that God has prepared them for a time such as this? That that sense that I have some work to do right now. This. Um, reality that the world is facing, I have a role to play in that. I have a heart for this area, or I've got gifting, or I've got an opportunity. Is there anyone who is feeling that? I'm thinking particularly of teachers, I'm thinking of those in leadership, I'm thinking of those in the health profession. Is there anyone here? That's not a rhetorical question. Uh, Hey Sarah, good. One. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the way to tell is if you're thinking about next week and you're thinking about the things that need to happen then you've probably been called into a place like this. If you're thinking how am I going to respond to this challenge or there's this issue that I really need to sort out maybe you've been called... So if that's you, I'm actually going to ask you to stand now. Go on. Hey. Because I'm going to pray for you. There are some other people that should be standing. Josh, you should be standing because you bloomin'. blooming... Uh, <laughs> Josh doesn't know why he's standing. Josh is standing because um, I, I was really conscious at the start of... Um, this crisis, just how essential what you do is. But, you know, it's easy to get lost in the mundane the mundanity of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's actually a really crucial thing that you do in society. Anyway, all right. A few more of you should be standing. Oh, June, good on you. Um, I'm going to pray for you now. Let's pray. I like it. Peer pressure. That's good. <laughs> Lord, for those who are standing and for those who should be standing but are still sitting, Lord, we want to just come to you and say that we see the gap. We know in our hearts that you're calling us to step forward. Lord, we want to acknowledge that call this morning. We confess that you're good and you're faithful and your word never, never fails. We declare that you're Lord and... And you have a plan and a purpose, and you have a kingdom. We want to say that we hear that call to um, build and to heal and to change. Lord, we also want to acknowledge that when you call, you empower. And so I pray that you would empower us. Give us everything we need to do what you are calling us to do, give us courage. Give us grace and peace. Help us to be wise and make good decisions. Be responsive to the circumstances. Help us to exercise the leadership of others and also of ourselves. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, for this time to walk closely with you, to put our faith into practice, to um, do the things that you have prepared us for. There's a great joy in that. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity, but we pray too that you'll guard our hearts. Protect us, we pray. Help us to endure and not give up and persevere and overcome. Help us to do the good that you've called us to. Do things through us for your glory, we pray. May your kingdom come and your will be done in all of the spaces that we hold in our hearts right now. We commit ourselves and one another to you. Have your way and lead us, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. You didn't need to be told. You were down already. (laughs) Thanks. We need to practice uh, like standing up and (laughs) engaging. I know we're Baptists and we prefer to sit in the back row so that the Holy Spirit doesn't have as much opportunity to come near to us. but we're going we're gonna to practice that being a bit more responsive in the church. I'm also conscious too that um, some of you have that real sense of, yep, there's these things that God's calling me to do at this time. For others of you though, there's a sense of real frustration. You kind of see what's going on in the world and you see the gap between what is and what should be. And rather than sensing a call, you're sensing this sense of, what do I actually do in that space? You're sensing a sense of grief, maybe, or frustration, or even anger. Maybe you're feeling like disorientated or disconnected or like you've been turned on your head. Maybe your heart goes out to the world, but there isn't this sense of what you can do about it. I don't know if... uh, You feel like that? If you do, though, let me tell you—you're in good company. I've (laughs) got that sense at the moment. I'm very much in that space with you. I have a heart to respond to what's going on at the moment, but I don't know how to best practically do anything about it. I'm frustrated, actually, as as a pastoral leader, that I'm all about people, and at the moment, I'm actually having stepped back from people. that's an act of faith and that's really frustrating for me because I want to lean in. Um, I'm frustrated that I'm actually not that practically useful. (laughs) I'm not a builder. I'm not a healthcare professional. There's not a lot I can practically do. Um, I feel like I'm a long way from the front lines. Does anyone else resonate with that? You know, I wish I had an opportunity to do more at this time. It's a weird space for me because I'm a white middle-aged male, so I'm not used to feeling disempowered. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely white middle-class and male, Michael. I'm not under <laughs> I agree with you, so that's where we we'll end up, but I think it's um, important to acknowledge that that place of frustration, and um, maybe there's a number of you with me in it, it's not unusual for the people of God, that that is a space that the church and the people of God have often found themselves in. What we need to keep in mind is that in the Bible we often see these situations where God's people are thrown into new spaces where they don't know what to do. Um, I think of the exodus out of Egypt and wandering in the desert. I think about the exile, going off to Babylon for 70 years. Think about the disciples in the boat with Jesus in the storm saying, God, we're going to die. Jesus, we're going to die here. Don't you care? I think about the disciples at the crucifixion when the Lord that they'd come to trust in was nailed to a Roman cross and buried for three days. So many times God has called people into a new space He's always brought them through to the other side. Um, But in the middle, there's this space where the new hadn't come yet and the old had gone and it was this space of just not knowing what to do. It was this space where they were just called to hold on to God. Trust in Him. Be faithful to Him. Don't know what's coming. Hold on. Be faithful. Wait upon the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. And so, um, we're going to come to the Bible now. It's Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter ten. It's taken a little while. Ah, That's all right. We're going to finish up soon. Uh, Now, therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps His covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your. Eyes, the hardship that's come on us, our our kings, our leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people from the days of kings of Assyria till now. In all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You acted faithfully while we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our ancestors did not follow your law, they didn't pay attention to your commands or the statutes you warned them to keep. Even while they are in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in a spacious and fertile land that you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today. Slaves in the lands that you gave our ancestors, so that they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to your kings, to, to the kings you've placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. In view of all this, we're making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites and our priests are affixing their seal to it. Hey, little people. It's great to have you back with us. We haven't quite finished our sermon yet. We're going to keep going for like four minutes. So if you could listen... And then you'll get to share in a minute. So, the people gather together and they lament what has happened and their current state. And their response to that is to turn back to God. To put their trust in the calling that he placed on them. It's this response of, Jesus, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. It's that response that Beck talked about from this song. What is true in the light is true in the dark. We are going to hang on to you. You lead me and you restore my soul. You're my rock and my salvation and I'll put my trust in you. The people come into this time of lament and they say, one thing and one thing only we are going to do, we are going to recommit ourselves to you your ways. You are our hope in this time. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't have the answers, but you are our hope and we're going to hang, hang on to you. So for those of you who are feeling frustrated, who don't know what the calling is at this time, can I just remind you, you already have a calling. It's a calling of Jesus Christ that says, come, follow me. Come, put your trust in me. Hold on to me. Be obedient to me. Remain in me do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with me. In Nehemiah, they were more specific. I'm uh, conscious of the kids in here, so I don't want to read the whole passage, but it's um, Nehemiah chapter 10, the end part of chapter 10. What they do is they gather together and they recommit themselves to the law, and they're actually really specific about it. So it's up on the screen, but I'm not going to read it all out. Um, What they do is they make a covenant with God. They say, God, we are going to recommit ourselves to these things that we have neglected. Um, They talk about, we're going to follow your law. We're not going to compromise by joining in foreign gods or marrying into the people around us and joining their religion. We're going to keep the Sabbath and we're actually going to guard it. They promise to tithe They promise to worship and look after the house of God. They make all these promises and they're really specific. We haven't done this and we're recommitting ourselves to it. We are going to do this, 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 and this. In this time when we're not sure, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be obedient to you and really clear about what that means and we're going to stick to it. Lord, this is our commitment. Um, Just as you helped build the wall, When we commit to you, you are going to build your people. When we are obedient, when we do what you've called us to do, we trust that you will step into the gap, that you will be faithful to us, that if we move towards you, you will move towards us and we will see your kingdom come and grow in this place. So, uh, to finish up, this morning God invites us to do The same thing. This is a time where it's um, easy to lose heart, but the response of God is to say, we recommit ourselves back to you. We will draw near to you at this time. Um, James tells us, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify you heart, your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Um, we are actually specific about what following Jesus means here in this place as well. One of the things we do at Glen Osmond, just like the people did in Nehemiah, is we make a covenant we have, um, Membership here of Glen Osmond is covenantal. It's um, a commitment to um, put our faith into practice in specific ways. And we talk about belonging, rocking up on a Sunday and being part of a small group. We talk about love, forgiving one another, bearing with one another and being gracious with one another. We talk about serving using our gifts to serve one another, using the opportunities and the needs and filling them together. We talk about giving and being generous and investing in this place. And we talk about changing, being willing to be people that will move with God and be transformed by him and being a church that doesn't look to keep things the way that they are, but looks to be responsive to where God's going. Um, If you're a member here at Glen Osmond, these are the things that you've committed to. Um, Hold on to them in this season. Double down on that. I'd encourage you to, as we are in this season of uncertainty and change, to hold on to these things, to keep showing up, to keep serving and loving and giving. Um, So... I thought it would be good to, just as they did in Nehemiah, recommit themselves to um, the covenant, that we might do the same. So um, I'm going to finish up my message by praying. And um, what I'd like to invite you all to do is to stand with me. And um, if you'd like to uh, recommit to following God and um, joining in that covenant. Um, I'd like you to join with me in this prayer, just in your hearts. You don't have to say anything. I'm going to pray. So good to have our kids back. I'll pray and we'll um, get on with the rest of the service. So